0: Morning, Steve. Larg. Larg.
1: Hi. Good morning, Steve.
0: Good morning.
1: Oh, you sound very cheerful. Nice. It is too it's
0: too early for evolution.
2: Steve. I'm
1: so sorry. I'm sorry about my stupid
3: country. Oh, it's not you. Dark.
2: I scheduled it.
1: <laughs> How
2: dare you be on that side of the planet?
1: Just. I mean, you know, I was born, I woke up, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> right? do, you,
3: do you have a new Prime Minister today?
1: Uh, not yet, but we're banking on it. Uh, oh, wow,
3: yeah. There's a petition
1: to bring Boris back, and oh, the eye rolling. You can hear the eye rolling. Yeah. Across oh, the country. It's just, oh, thank
3: you. I'm... I'm, I'm watching your train wreck with, uh, with great uh, satisfaction. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you we're up there.
1: Recording in progress.
2: Welcome to another episode of AT Banter.
3: Banter, yawn Banter.
2: Oh man, even the cowbells asleep today.
3: <laughs> that seems squishing on? the audio.
2: Oh, is it? Okay, well, that's fine. We let let the let the cowbells sleep in. Insert cowbell sound here. That's right. <laughs> to <Totally> way <laughs> okay. files are for. Hey, this is, of course, the podcast where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot and joining me today in this very early hour, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Good morning, everybody. And the only man who podcasts in his pajamas, Mr. Steve Barkley is also here.
3: I'm not wearing pajamas.
2: <laughs> I, don't want, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's just way
3: too early for that. And <laughs> uh,
2: uh, this has been uh, AT banter after dark. That's right. Good night, everybody. Um, <laughs> hey, how, uh, how are you guys? I don't, I, I don't know if the last time I've, I've, uh, interacted with you guys so early in the morning has been, but how All are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I got my coffee. I'm I'm, I'm good. Absolutely. I think Steve might be the weakest link in here. I know Steve's not a
0: morning guy.
3: <laughs> I'm so not a morning guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well. Good thing we don't do this every week. Ryan, there must be some reason why we're up this early. There is a reason.
2: Wow, look at that Steve taking over that Segway.
0: I know. At so 8 early. Wow,
2: he's never done that before. He's I shot know. out of a canyon this morning.
0: He is you a must morning have, guy. You, you,
3: must, you, you must have had a cup of coffee, right? <laughs> or are you, or are you <laughs> working on it? I am. I'm working on my first glass of water. What? Oh my! Okay, <laughs> wow.
2: All right. Well, Ryan, a, we, we we can't we can't uh, let that go past. Why don't you tell uh, tell people? Yeah, what we're what we're up to? Why we're up so early? Sure. So
0: today's show, we have with us Charlie Harding from Bristol Braille Technology to share information about the Canute 360 and some forthcoming updates. So, Charlie, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for getting up at this ungodly hour. (laughs) It's 4pm in the UK, and I've been up for
0: hours. (laughs) Oh, it's our pleasure.
2: Well, listen, why don't we, uh, we we are excited to have you. Um, You know, we've, we've uh, known about Bristol Braille for for a few years now, um, Mm. and have been watching with great interest what you guys are doing. Um, But maybe if we could, if we could just start with you giving us a little bit of background information on um, Bristol Braille itself and sort of how it formed and uh, sort of the story behind it and your role in, in, at Bristol Braille, that'd be great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our founder, Ed Rogers, uh, who's sadly happy with us today, uh, he sort of came up with the, the, the concept of multi-line Braille machines about 12 years ago. Um, it was, uh, he was at university, you know, doing bits and pieces and then sort of became very interested in braille um, and the subsequent decline of um, braille usage and people learning how to, to read braille and realised that the, the things that were on the market for, for people that read it um, weren't brilliant. They were sort of very much stuck in the past. Um, you know, it's big bulky braille books, that are absolutely huge. You need massive amount of storage to have. Um, so we set to work trying to make life a little bit easier for people uh, who, who enjoy reading and have found it very difficult because of the uh, restrictions that the technology um, has unfortunately put on them. Um, so the last 12 years, uh, 14 prototypes have uh, been created. Um, some cats and um, gather dust on the shelf. Sometimes we at them longingly because they are beautiful, <laughs> but just not very good at what they do. Uh, And in 2020, we finally managed to launch the Canute 360 in its current form um, out to uh, distributors and the general public. Um, So it works. It's the first multi-line braille machine of its kind. Um, We've tried to keep it as affordable as possible. So you're looking at, depending where you're on the world, um, depending what distributors are charging for it, you're looking around just sort of over 2,000 pounds for a machine which is probably about the same as a very good quality desktop computer. Um, It's designed to be a desktop machine, um, so you wouldn't have it on your lap on the train. Um, So it's something to sit and and, and use to read. Um, So it's made up of 360 cells, um, hence the name Canute360, which is divided up um, over nine lines and each line has 40 cells. Um, And it's a refreshable machine. So you um, decide what you'd like to read, download that onto an SD card using the Braille file, um, plug that into the commute and then uh, you get to set the pace and so you can just start reading the Braille, press the button, it will refresh from the top and then you can just continuously read whatever it is that you want to enjoy and it just makes the whole thing far more pleasurable.
3: And I should throw in here that the Canute 360 is part of uh, Canadian Assistive Technologies demo pool. So if people want to try one out, we have them available.
1: Absolutely. Please do.
3: And see,
2: he's up early and he's plugging already. Jeez.
1: <laughs> we got to get
2: Steve on first thing in the morning more often. No. <laughs> um, well, so now, and, and I'll open this up to actually to anybody, because I'm sure Ryan and Steve can actually answer this too. So whoever whoever wants to, to take this. But so for people who aren't really familiar with um, electronic Braille devices, can you kind of explain what makes um, the Canute 360 and, and the whole multi-line braille unique like what what is it that 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 sets that apart from say other um you know whatever 40 cell braille displays
1: yeah i mean say so just i mean, coming from um a sighted point of view um from like chatting away to um our braille community um here in bristol and beyond um it's the, the one line braille machines just Become an incredibly restrictive way to um, absorb information, essentially. Um, so, uh, perfectly okay scrolling through websites and things like that, sort of quick reading, et cetera. But if you want to sit and read a book or a scientific paper, or you want to look at a simple graph, you know, all this sort of mathematics, music, all this stuff that the you can do becomes very, very difficult with the um, smaller one or two line braille readers that are um, on the uh, market at the moment. Um, And obviously, like I said, on the flip side, the the Braille books, you know, they've they've done a really great job for a really long time. They're very, very popular, but they are bulky, hard to to ship about. Um, And just having to to have, you know, a book delivered to you in chapters like they did back in the Elizabethan era, uh, where you'd have to wait for somebody to write the next bit. You know, it's got to be incredibly frustrating. Um, So it's just basically the commute's main purpose is to make reading just a, a much more pleasurable and smooth process.
0: And most proficient braille readers will start reading with you know, one hand, like start reading with their left hand and then continue on with their right hand. And as they move down to the next line, that left hand will drop down to that next line and, and basically almost start reading that line, right? So it's just kind of like your eyes are tracking a line of text. Your fingers are kind of doing the same thing. So being able to have a device that can auto scroll or you hit a button and, and scroll and you set your pace, just makes, like Charlie said, reading a lot more fluid.
2: Well, that's really interesting. So, in in some sense, are are you surprised that it's taken this long for somebody to develop something like this? Because it sounds incredibly valuable you know, to, uh, to people who who read braille on a regular basis.
1: Um, I mean, yes and no. Um, so, um, say so, so way way back when I just sort of started getting quite passionate about this. Um, it was just I think braille has been and say, correct me if, it, if I'm wrong, but braille has been considered quite an old fashioned, uh, very low technology way of people to um, interact with the world. And it just, people just aren't putting money, funding, anything into braille, because um, I mean, especially from you know, chats that I've had with people that, that aren't um, braille readers, they said, well, you know, can't they just listen? And it's like, well, try listening to a book and then try reading a book and then tell me you've absorbed of the same information. Um, and I think there's just, uh, technology moves forward so fast that it, but it moves forward for majority users and uh, people that are using um, other ways to interact. Like I said, it's just, they're kind of been left behind. Um, and then subsequently, um, I don't know what the situation is like in Canada, but especially in the UK, we are very short on um, braille teachers, um, like trained braille teachers and schools that are set up specifically for um, blind and visually impaired children. Um, So if they're not in schools that are pushing, learning braille, reading braille, and the importance of of having braille as a skill that you can do, um, people are kind of making do with what they've got. Um, And unfortunately, again, I think it's just, it's it's the thing of the times, it's the minority suffer. Um, So we are always quite surprised that people aren't more interested and jazzed about, you know, this great machine that everybody that uses it says, you know, this has made everything so much better. Um, but yeah, when it comes to really trying to push like Braille and then getting people to learn it, it's a much, much harder task.
2: Well, yeah. And it's, it's very much uh, the same here. I mean, we, we for years now um, you know, we've been sort of helping do what we, what we can to really push the idea of Braille literacy. And it has been, uh, you know, an issue, um, there was this real idea that sort of came about that, well, with screen reader technology and smartphone technology, um, you know, everything's sort of, you know, talking. So why do we need to be teaching Braille? Here in Canada, um, things are getting better. Um, Braille literacy campaigns are sort of um, having, having a little bit more traction than they did like even five or six years ago. Um, but it is a real a real battle. Um, even today, do you think that that's sort of why things like the, the actual, the, the actual technology that drives electronic Braille devices hasn't really changed for so many years? Cause really that's what drives that, that really high price point for an electronic Braille device is, is the actual technology, like manufacturing a device like that mm. is expensive. Uh, do you think that, that those two things are kind of tied together?
1: I, I think they are. I mean, it's just the the canoe is it's a complicated piece of machinery. You know, it's it's it, hundreds of moving parts um, because we have specifically designed and um, had people come in who are braille readers to use it, and, and you know, made sure that these cells are made of um, you know a material that is the the right it's got the you know the right amount of um, hardness to it that you can read without getting um like finger fatigue essentially um you know it's uh we, we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money creating something that works for people and I think that level of effort and um creation and manufacturing and all that kind of thing is just it's something that if you already run a printing company you're already printing braille books then why would we bother investing um and I think but there are other braille machines that I see pop up on, you know, sort of um, crowdfunder um, websites, you know, and, and I can't think of the other ones are called. But, you know, it's like, oh, we've reinvented the braille machine. You're like, oh, what have you done now? And they're like, we're using this thing and this thing and this thing. And then it nobody, it doesn't really go anywhere or they, they just they disappear. And I don't really know what happens. Um, so I just I feel. Yeah, I think it's just it's, it's, it's a complicated thing to make. It's a complicated thing to make. So, it's actually usable. Um, and the people, you know, the community using it actually enjoy using it instead of just going back to what they used to. Um, and I think that a lot of places just don't really um, want to, to bother, <laughs> essentially. So, yeah. uh, we are.
2: <laughs> really, what's interesting is, when you talked about the, the sort of the, the formation of the company is that, you know, Red Run 2012, that's when I feel like all these discussions were happening. So really, you know, uh, you guys doing the work that you, that you have been doing for, uh, well, it's, I mean, 10 years now, mm. um, I think has been really important. And I think that the other thing that, that I would love to, for you to speak to is that I, I think that what makes you unique as, as a manufacturer is that you are very involved in the community. Can mm. you speak a little a little to that?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's, um, I think if you are ever part of any sort of minority group, be it sort of a disability group, a race group, anything like that, you are constantly bombarded by everybody else coming in and saying, don't worry everyone, we're here now and we're going to solve all your problems. And uh, that is just not the way to to do anything. Um, So what's incredibly important to us is that we work with the community. Um, So, I mean, Ed, um, when he first started uh, bringing Bristol Braille technology together, um, he had a lot of people who were Braille readers that wanted to be involved. And through that, um, a charity called The Braillists um, was created, of which um, Ed is uh, a board member. And their entire reason of being is to to encourage people to learn Braille. They um, run online um, and in-person braille lessons. They have weekly meetups um, and they're just their whole reason the being is, is to promote um, like, you know, learning how to read, read braille. Um, and so, and these are the people that we are making this machine for. We don't want to just make a machine, have it done and then put it in front of somebody and say, oh, look, we've made this for you. Like that's pointless. Nobody like, you know, that's, that's not working with anybody. That's trying to fix a problem that we weren't asked to fix um so and we you know the, the best thing for anybody who wants to make machines and make anybody's life easier is ask those people that need the machine or whatever it is like what do you need how much um you know what what, you know, what do you need how should it look like you know how can we make this easier for you and then from that you can build something um but no, we have absolutely no interest in storming into a room and telling everybody don't don't worry we we're, <laughs> we're going to fix in of commons this for you
2: well, and you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at how many manufacturers and R&D companies do exactly that. You know, mm. they'll, they'll design something that nobody's asked for or think that they're solving a problem that's that's nobody had. Or, you know, they 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 design something that's completely unwieldy and um, unrealistic to actually use uh, on a day-to-day basis. Yeah,
1: and so. I just think that's a real shame. It's a real... Um... It, it, uh, baseline it's incredibly rude
2: <laughs> yeah no it's true it, it, you know, it's, it's you know incredibly
1: rude. um yeah. and it just takes away anybody's agency I think and it just takes away anybody's you know you, you, it, it makes me very uncomfortable because I have seen other manufacturers do something similar you know I do keep an eye on what's going on and you will see these things go out, and then I'm part of lots of forums. Um, people that are, you know, interested in this thing, and a lot of them are saying, "Well, I didn't ask for this. It won't work. And how am I supposed to use this?" And you know, and it's just obviously nobody sat down with anybody in a community and said, "What, well, what do you need?" They just said, "This is what you've got," and that's um, makes me very, very uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, and I think that there's, you know, certainly innovation is good in trying new things, Mm. but, you know, we've seen everything from, you know, like smart canes that are like $600, you know, and that, that weigh like 30 pounds, (laughs) you know, that, that, you know, and, or, or like haptic shoes or like, you know, there's all kinds of things that, that people will try. But at the end of the day, you know, if you don't engage the community, um, your your product isn't isn't going to be successful because people aren't going to drop um it, it, it's already problematic because a lot of these assistive technology devices are the price points are very high mm. um but if you have something that that nobody's actually really going to want to use anyways or, or isn't practical then you know it's you, you're, it's going to die on the shelf anyways
1: exactly exactly
0: so charlie you yeah. mentioned being able to use an sd card to put your books onto the canute. Are there plans to tie it to some of the online libraries like SELA, incorporating Wi-Fi?
1: So uh, we so we have plans for all of these things. So we have built the Canute to have the ability to use Bluetooth, to use Wi-Fi, to have an external battery. These are all things we're asked a lot about um, because this is what the people want. This is what the people need. They don't want to have to keep plugging their Canute in if they want to go and uh, read in the conservatory, for example, instead of the kitchen. Um, unfortunately it is just um, a case of funding for us and manpower um so it's um we have a plan there's always a plan um we've had an issue with as everybody else the the, the global issues with um parts and manufacturing right. um so that sort of that that side of the innovation has unfortunately um paused at the moment um and then sadly uh, losing zach a couple of years ago as well who was our incredible developer who was um sort of the forefront of making the key work um it was all quite sudden and we lost a lot of um his knowledge expertise and, and everything with that so trying to find somebody um who uh, even has half the knowledge <laughs> that he's got and the passion um has been quite difficult we are working with um a couple of different people at the moment and we're hoping to start bringing all that together hopefully by next year um but like i said i haven't got anything firm unfortunately but we are very very aware that's what people want and we're very very keen to get it in as soon as we can
2: great yeah, it, it is really interesting that, that you guys launched in 2020, of course, the same year as the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So le- let me ask you this. <laughs> how, how did that impact you guys? Like, did that take a few years for those supply lines and those manufacturer problems to sort of rear their heads? Um, it, how yeah. did COVID impact you guys?
1: Um, so it all, yeah, so the first run went out in the January um, and then the UK was locked down by the end of March, I think 2020, if I remember. Um, so it meant that nothing was being done. We were not in, you know, we were not in the, the, the manufacturing area or we not in the office. Ed was, uh, had, everybody was on furlough. Ed was doing the best that he could. Um, i came in to the company it was in late 2020 um, to sort of start picking up those conversations with distributors that had been interested in stocking the machine um, and unfortunately didn't manage to get their hands on any because of you know what happened um, so it took us a good long while to be able to get up to the point where we'd managed to reconnect with those um, with the, the people selling us you know the the, the insides of the commute essentially. Um, and then we'd sort of got cracking back on it sort of, yeah, about 2021, if I remember correctly. Um, and we had like a, a whole set of um, people coming in and doing the manufacturing for us. We, we, we essentially have um, outsourced it and we bought it in-house to um, just keep an eye on how things were going. Um, and it just, it felt like it was better with, it sounds a bit, um, Back to front because of COVID and because people weren't really coming into work as much as they were and, and all the, the, the regulations that were passed that we felt bringing it back into house was just going to be um, an easier way for us to manage it instead of outsourcing um, to a factory in Wales that we were using. Um, and then everything was going great guns, we were doing really, really well. And then we started hitting a snag where um particular motors that we use um, became very, very hard to get hold of. Um, and then from there, they, they became impossible to get hold of. And then we were told that we were gonna get sent this many and it didn't turn up. And then we were told we could have this many, but it was like 15 times more than we needed. And we just didn't have the money in the coffers to buy a million <laughs> of these things, these motors, uh, even if they existed as well. There were a lot of people hmm. promising us um, stock and it actually turned out to be a scam um so it just oh became untenable um so we decided to shut down manufacturing again which was heartbreaking i have to say i think we we finished i did the last shift with our last manufacturer uh just before christmas um and then everything we've got on the shelf is basically what we've got um But we have um, been chatting to a couple of people who have really great connections um, with the manufacturers of these motors. And so they're going to start being our middle people, essentially. Um, So uh, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that we're gonna be able to get back into uh, production early next year. Um, But it was, uh, COVID has not been kind. But yeah. we have had so much uh, positive feedback. We've had so much support, the understanding and the patience of the people that we work with. Uh, I felt every other week I was sending an email saying we've got Canutes coming and then actually we don't and actually we do and actually we don't. And then somebody would get COVID and it was all, it was, it was very, very hard work. So we're very very lucky that we are um working in a community but uh we're just very very patient and nice and probably cursing us <laughs> <It's like laughs> out of but uh weren't too cross with us so thank you including you guys thank you very very much
3: <laughs> in in the the meantime you guys have uh, been working on other other mm. stuff as well what I, I i received an email the other day uh to uh uh, inviting me to England, thank you very much, uh, You're welcome. <laughs> to see the uh, the world's first Braille gaming console.
1: Yeah, With, what can uh, you tell us
3: about the Canute Dock?
1: I'd love to. So, because we've not been able to manufacture Canutes, we decided to uh, yeah bring um, bring a few of our freelancers back to try and create um, something that will enhance the Canute. in whilst we were in the position that we haven't been able to make any so what we've come up with is the Canute Dock. Um, so basically what it is is um, a dock system <laughs> uh, which the Canute plugs directly into. Uh, it's got a um, high vision contrast um, screen on it for people um, who have um, some sight. It has a pullout keyboard um, and essentially what the dock has managed to do is increase what the canoe is able to do. Um, so it's, it's still in prototype stage at the moment so we're not ready to launch it launch it but we're really excited about what um, people might want to use it for. Um, so yeah so it's, yeah, basically it's just, it's just something it's something that people can buy if they have eventually be able to buy um, if they already own a canoe or they would like to buy, buy it together and um, they can kind of use it for, for work or play. We really designed it um, to be um, ergonomically suitable for people um, using multi-line braille. So we've done lots of people of different heights and you know sizes sitting down and, and using it to make sure that you're not getting any wrist fatigue. Uh, that the keyboard you know sort of pulls in and out um, and is usable. Um, it means with the um, uh, with the screen that the can you can be used as a display of sorts. Um, uh so we're able to run um sort of word processing simple graphs charts um you're able to use it for computer programming and coding um which brings us on to its ability to run braille computer games which was a very exciting experiment that ed sort of had a go at and then realized oh there's something in this um so we sort of downloaded a load of Old arcade games um, ran it through the dock, and just using sort of the multi lines and all the cells, we were able to do like a map crawling game. Uh, we were able to do let's me list of games. hang on, sorry. Really, do word searches.
3: Uh, snake.
1: Snake. We did say We've got videos of um, yeah, one of our uh, uh playing snake for the first time since he was a teenager. Uh, He was saying when he got his first Nokia phone when he was about 14, um, he would spend hours and hours with the screen as close to his face as possible because he just wanted to experience this game that everybody else was playing that, you know, most of us have taken for granted. And so for the first time in 25 years, he managed to play Snake in a way that was really accessible and fun for him. And it was lovely, actually. It was really, really lovely to watch um and we also programmed our own game um based very very slightly so we don't get sued on grand theft auto
0: um <laughs> but we
1: <laughs> so we basically took a very centralized map of bristol city in the uk um the map then is displayed on the commute and uh, on the canoe um braille display and on the screen so the uh, potential there for multiplayer games to come about with um, both blind and sighted people. Um, and then you are asked to follow um, some instructions. So some chap turns up and says, I need you to take this package to Bond Street, for example. So you navigate your way around the map using the, um, the display at the top. Um, and then once you get there, you're given another task. So it's this sort of top-down spatial gaming that, um, it's just, it's really exciting. It's like a new medium. Um, we're hoping, like we've had a few people play a few games and it's, um, they've really, really enjoyed it. So we're hoping to get um, some computer programmers and gamers involved who want to like create games that can be um, used on, on on the dock. Sorry, that was just a massive <laughs> dump load of information there.
2: I feel like a lot of manufacturers out there, you know, when they run into things like, you know, COVID supply line, disruptions and when manufacturing is kind of put on hold i don't know the, the, the you know they just kind of sit around and, and just wait uh, i love that you guys decided uh to to continue innovating
1: absolutely and it was one of those things where we knew that people were using the commute professionally we knew that um we'd, we'd sold one to um somebody that had gone to university to do an english degree um, we'd sold one to somebody who had done a music degree and still continued to write uh, music and found um, that he was really um, uh, made it much easier for him to sort of uh, annotate and, and, and chop and change his, his music around and things like that. And I think from there we were like, well, you know, people are in professional careers and they need something that's going to work for them. So originally the doc was going to be more of a, you know, say so you could do your word processing, like have your calendar in front of you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it works on Linux, um, so there is an element of computer knowledge needed at the moment to use it. But it, you know, it would it would absolutely work for um, a professional computer programmer or coder um, who who'd like to have like a, a desktop braille display. You know, it's brilliant. And then we just sort of realised that there was this really fun element. It didn't have to be dry. It, you know, we. we The plan with the the doc is to do a a, a braille arcade tour essentially a mobile braille arcade and we want to bring it to schools essentially with with blind students and braille reading students and kind of get them into the gameplay and then sort of let them understand that actually braille is a great way to get into computer programming and, and coding And like no braille is fun it's not just a boring way to learn to read it's actually can be used for loads and loads of really cool other stuff and if you get really into it you can start making your own stuff so it's just like a it's become this kind of tool for us to really promote people learning braille as well as really trying to expand um access to other people that need something um, professional that you know really helps them having these, these multiple lines
0: And, Charlie, does the dock have to be plugged into power or can it run on battery as well?
1: Um, Again, it's it's, it's at the moment it needs to be plugged into into power. Um, So it's still a prototype. So um, it would be lovely if it um, also ran off. um, So it had more of a laptop feel to it. It has a kind of laptop feel to it already. It's sort of a box with a a hinged lid, which is the screen. Um, So it's a chunky laptop, but it's a laptop. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's um, well, yeah. Ideally, it would be really nice to be able to kind of lighten it up and, and reduce the size um, and make it a bit more portable. But at the moment, it, again, it would be very much used as a desktop. thing.
2: Sure. I, I think that it, that you, it can't be understated that you know the the idea of of gamifying education, um, mm-hmm. the the idea of you know getting something like this in the hands of youth who are, are going to enjoy like playing something like a Braille game while learning Braille and while getting really familiar with something like an electronic Braille device. I mean, that's incredibly important, especially in during this time when we are really fighting about Braille literacy and, and getting, you know, getting that idea out there. So I think this is an incredibly, not only innovative uh, idea, but I think it's, it's also a really incredibly important one.
1: Thank you, thank you. It's um, yeah. It's just, it's, I guess that's just what we're really passionate about is just letting people have a choice at the end of the day. And if you know, if their choice is to read things instead of hear things, and if their choice is to go into careers that require, um, you know, a, a, a more specialist piece of tech, you know, it just we want kids to be given the choice. We want anybody who perhaps has um, gone blind later in life, who misses reading, all that kind of, You know, we just want everybody to have a choice Um, and bringing this kind of technology to, to, especially to to kids when they're, (laughs) when they're already kind of thinking, what do I want to do? And perhaps they don't feel like they've got much to look forward to in some situations, especially if they're in schools that aren't really set up for them and to show them that actually you've got a choice, you've got opportunity. Um, here's the thing that that is going to make this a bit easier and a bit more fun. Then that's just that's brilliant. Um, and say so we're not here to to save anybody. We're not, you know, we're not swooping in, but we just want people to have access, um, just access to equality. You know, I just want everybody right. to, to be on what would be considered a level playing field. And If that means while in your day away playing Tetris on a multi-line browser. Sure then absolutely go for it if that means that you're going to get really nerdy about computer programming and then you know go and get a job and absolutely brilliant but you should be given the opportunity to decide what it is that you want to do and if if the doc and the canoe can kind of give people that choice then we've done our jobs essentially
0: yeah can you put wordle on there
1: uh, we have, yes, we've done Wordle and then we contacted the Mr. Wordle, the Wordle man, but he just sold it to the New York Times, I think. Yeah,
0: that's right. Um,
1: so he didn't answer our email because it was probably all his money, um, yes. of which he gave us none. But <laughs>
0: yeah, That's
1: funny. But it's there, uh, yes, but we can basically, what is it? I think it's a computer, is it Doom? It's a bit of a, a gaming programmer meme to put Doom on any electronic device and so you can play it on electronic yeah. fridge and things like that so we'd love for somebody to get in touch and say let's see if we can put doom on the canoe like that's kind of what it's the reason we've got the tour happening and so we're having this sort of prototype launch in bristol um in november and uh, like the again it kind of comes back to what i was saying before like we don't want to plonk this machine in front of people and say there you go we've solved it like the whole point is we're having asking people to come in Try the machine and tell us what they'd like for it to do. Um, you know, it's got this incredible potential. It can do all these wonderful things. Um, we'll put anything on it. Like you know, we don't, <laughs> if we can do it. We'll do it. But I I and Ed want to hear from people that are potentially going to use the machine. What they'd like to use this machine for. Right. Um. So we, yeah, we're not here to tell people what to do with it. We yeah, come and come and tell us. Come and tell us.
2: <laughs> well, so okay, so you guys are in. You say it's in a prototype at the moment. Hmm. And I know that this can be a tricky question. You may or may not be able to answer it, but so how far down the road do you see this you know, being on shelves?
1: Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a piece of string question. Um, so we are about to launch our crowdfunder. Um, we are very, very passionate about... not having the community fund another machine community. What we want is for tech companies, um, gaming studios, um, you know, people that care about accessible um, technology and equality to come and help us fund making more of these machines and making them um, available to sell and potentially put in, you know, places like libraries and learning centres and schools and all that sort of thing. Um, we feel like there's been a history, um, which, you know, let's say history, it still happens now, where, you know, members of the, of the blind community are asked for their opinions, they're asked for their knowledge, they're asked for their money, um, and you shouldn't have to self-fund this sort of thing. Um, so, depending on how well the crowdfund goes, and, um, you know, we are, we're, we're very positive, um, so the people I've spoken to are, are, are you know, incredibly interested, you um, the gaming is just like a little cherry on that cake as well. Like it does make it a far more interesting idea. Um, So hopefully next year, (laughs) but again, piece of string, we'll just have to sort of see how it goes. But um, yeah, the crowdfunder is on the website, the link if people, we haven't launched it yet. You can go and have a look um, at where we're at.
2: So, and now, and I just want to sort of step back and and talk a little bit about its capabilities um, a bit outside of of the gaming part. I know that the Mm. gaming is is a big piece of that, Mm. but can you walk us through like sort of the other implications of the device and sort of what else it can be used for, like on an educational or like because you talked about coding and stuff is it is it able to sort of display you know say scientific diagrams is there is there a real educational piece of this component that really expands on what the Canute 360 can already do?
1: Yeah so um, obviously we are um, you know we, we, we have the display that we have. Um, so there are restrictions on what it what you know how much detail can go in. Um, but you know we have had success with, uh, with charts. Um, Basic graphs, um, so there is a lot of uh, manipulation with the the data to to make it fit, but you know, it will work. Um, Tables, calendar, word processing, um, it expands the amount um, that we can do with uh, like maths um, and and science as well With the because it's running on uh, Linux, let me just double check. Yes, so it's a Linux workstation. So it's basically like plugging um, a computer into a home computer. Um, but it's been adapted especially. So it, it, in in that respect, like what it can do has has been expanded hugely because of you know what it's running on. Um, Say, so we are restricted by the display, but it it just it, it it's less it's become it turns the commute from um, a machine that makes reading a lot more pleasurable to a machine that is basically, a home computer, essentially, hmm. with certain restrictions.
2: Wow, and you know, and that is huge. You know, I, I think because uh, uh, in the past, the the sciences, even computer sciences, coding, and stuff like that, that's actually that it's been a bit of a barrier for people hmm. who who are blind or partially sighted. So, um, I'm I'm thrilled that that you know we're starting to see these devices that we can actually start to see. Um, people entering into those fields because um, they're 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 great fields to to get more people um, from the community into like especially the you know obviously the young people
1: absolutely and I, so I don't know what the uh, figures are like in Canada but I know in the UK that um, you know if you're registered blind or visually impaired that the chance of you being in full-time work are not great um, and of much of that is you know, excuse the, the the phrasing, but meaningful work. Um, so not, you know, something where you are in a career rather than you just turn up, do your job and go home again. Um, you know, it, it, it's sadly very, very low. And it's just everybody's got the same capacity to be able to do the stuff. They just need to have the, you know, the technology literally at their fingertips to be able to do it. And it's that um, adapting, right. like, workplaces. Um, it can be difficult, obviously, you know, certain um programs computer programs that you know businesses use are, are not always compatible with you know the machines that we have you know all that kind of stuff but it's all stuff that could be potentially overcome um you know if, if people just thought about it for five minutes um so it's yeah so it's getting the, the dock in front of you know kids that already have an interest in gaming like the friends are gaming there are plenty of blind or visually impaired people on youtube who are gaming with traditional Computer games. So we haven't invented yeah. gaming for blind people by any stretch, but this sort of introducing Braille as something, like I said, that can be quite fun and accessible, um, and then can lead on to um, you know further education and a, and a career and independence and all that sorts of stuff. It, it does feel like a no-brainer. Um, but so hopefully, uh, people feel the same way. <laughs>
2: um, another question about sort of engaging the community. Mm. Um, uh, you know, obviously you guys are, are based over in the UK, but is, are like, do, is there a way that you guys sort of uh, engage with the blindness community, uh, all over the world or are you, are you, is it more focused in, you know, sort of localized where people you can kind of have people in and get their hands on the devices? So,
1: Ed, Ed I mean, before, before things got very, uh, unpleasant with the pandemic, Ed was, you know, constantly bopping all over the world. Um, you know, he he will um, go to the large um, oh, exhibitions uh, and things like that. We have um, a lovely guy uh, in India who's been sent a commute on loan um, to take it around, and kind of uh, he knows, you know, he's been taught how to use it, so he's walking around uh, communities in India uh, that potentially would like to use it. Um, we, you know, we, we speak to a distributor in Australia. So we do rely a lot on our distributors um, and commute owners from other countries to kind of introduce us to, to the communities because it's difficult when you're over in the UK, you can't just walk in and, and give everybody a wave. Um, but we are we try and keep um, our hand in as much as possible with, with communities all over the world, um, but mostly Canada, America uh, and England are um, where we're most known, I think. And and we, you know, we will try and go to these um, exhibitions as and when we
0: can. You know, braille literacy is so important. We've talked about it ad nauseum on this show and we know the numbers of braille learners seem to be declining over time, but there's been enough studies to show that those who are literate in braille do obtain and retain employment, I think a lot more, a lot easier than those who don't have that that knowledge or that skill, and so you know, having a device like the Canute that supports math braille, music braille, the word processing, being able to read graphs, um, charts, tables, is just another tool in our toolbox that you know sort of levels the playing field for us. So, kudos to Bristol Braille Technology for continue continuing to work on a product like this because they're there aren't many devices that do this out there. Thank
1: you. No, thank you. I mean, I just, um, sorry to jump in. I just wanted to leave you uh, with a quote from Stuart Lawler uh, from Sight and Sound Island. And it's just, it's something he said off the cuff one day and I've written it on a little card and I I look at it all the time Uh, and it says, if I want to remember something really remember, I need to read it in Braille. And I think that just kind of sums up why Braille is so important. You just cannot interact with the world, especially an online world, in the same way when you are only listening. You, know, you have to be able to read and absorb and process information. And I think it's really important that people have the ability and the choice to be able to do that.
2: Uh, I mean, 100%. I mean I, would, I, I mean, I think especially in this day and age, uh, when we are bombarded with stimulus all the time, Um, with so much media out there, so much material, um, and it does change the brain chemistry of the general population. And I do feel like, uh, it is harder and harder to retain things, um, especially just through audio when you're, when you're constantly bombarded with it. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that there's, there's such a huge, uh, case study for, for why braille literacy is important. And you guys are doing really incredible work in driving that forward. And I think that, you know, you guys have really, uh, you are doing things the way that I wish a lot of assistive technology manufacturers were, were doing, you know, you're engaging the community and you're actually building products that, that have a, a lot of value to that community. So I, I, you know, I echo Ryan's kudos, um, and, um, I, you know, if people want to learn more about Bristol Braille, get involved however they, they can, or learn more about uh, the Canute 360 or the, the, um, the game console when it comes out, where can people find you guys online?
1: Right, yeah. So uh, our website, uh, bristolbraille.org, um, if you head there. And then we have um, a um, page called Braille Arcade. Uh, So that's got everything to do with the doc, the crowdfunder. And uh, if you have any UK listeners that can make it to Bristol on the 4th of November, we are having an event. Uh, We will be taking the uh, Doc on tour in uh, London and hopefully Dublin. (laughs) We'll see how it goes. Uh, And then, yeah, hopefully with the crowdfunder, what, you know, uh, the money that we earn from that, we're hoping to then get out to Europe and over to you guys, Um, which would be wonderful. Um, and then you can find us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at Bristol Braille. Um, we should pop up, so come and say hello. I like it when people say hello.
2: We we definitely will. And listen, we will. We're happy to have you guys on uh, once uh, the doc has been released. We'll we'll talk about it some more.
1: Brilliant. Yes, we'd love that. That'd be great. Thank you.
2: Just not at eight o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know we can do
1: later. But I mean, but you know like, I can do after <laughs> time. <nine.
2: laughs> no, next time will be your turn to get up at three o'clock in the morning. No, Absolutely. no problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> great problem. Well, listen, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been an absolute delight. You guys are doing uh, amazing work, and uh, yeah, best of luck with uh, with the development and. Uh, eager to have you guys on again to to talk all about it when it's released
1: yeah no, that'd be brilliant i love being on podcasts i love the sound of my own voice so. <laughs> <Anytime>. <laughs> <laughs> thanks ever so much bye, bye. Uh,
2: see isn't that worth getting up at eight o'clock in the morning or well no, i guess i was up at six <laughs>
0: yep <laughs> It is what it is, you know, I love it. we got to get, got to get these guests on get the
2: word out. Uh, well, you know, it, the, and we didn't even actually dip into this, but it should be mentioned too that Bristol Braille is a nonprofit. Like they're right they're They're not a, they're not a for-profit manufacturer. Um, so I, the work that they're doing, the tireless work that they've doing, I mean, you think about that. Um, You know, a nonprofit to be working on something like the Canute 360 for 10 years, they worked on that thing. Um, Well, I mean, I guess eight until the launch, but still like, and the amount of engagement that they did with the community to actually build it. I I don't know. I I don't see a lot of other manufacturers around the world that are doing things like that in the way that they're doing it. you know, they, they, I mean, I, I, I know that there are manufacturers out there that do engage the community on, at some level at the, in the R and D phases, but I don't know. I feel like these guys are, are just, are, are way more um, involved in the community than, than typically.
0: Well, I think any organization that is trying to develop and push forward Braille must have a real passion for Braille because we see year over year, the numbers of Braille learners are, are, diminishing right sure. it's it's getting lower and lower each year so why are these organizations putting so much time and energy and money into developing braille because they're passionate about it they yeah. know there's a need for it you need to have literacy and the only way a blind person can have true literacy is through braille you can't yeah. do it with audio yeah so
2: well yeah. what i what i find interesting too is the fact that and I don't know, you guys would have a, a better sense of this because you guys are obviously in, in that assistive technology sphere. But things like note takers or uh, braille displays, there really hasn't been a heck of a lot of innovation in, in that area for, what, 10, 15 years
0: yeah, I personally, you know, the, the note takers are basically your laptop computer in a different, more portable form factor with, you know, braille input and output, right? So
2: well, sure. And I mean, yeah, what...
0: there's really no innovation when it comes to the note takers. It's iOS and Android in a dedicated blindness device.
2: Well, and I, and, I, and I don't want to say that there's no innovation, but certainly there, it's limited to sort of, I don't know, to sort of the, the, innovation that's going on with the devices that they're connecting to or or that they're using as a platform for example so i like i know like, that like things like notetakers what they're using um like android. ios and android platforms so they're kind of limited to the amount of innovation that that they can do based on those those operating systems correct well it used to be they had
3: to you had to write your own operating system if you wanted to have a device like that so really that that's really the the big improvement now is that the uh the the platforms they're they're able to leverage platforms that have accessibility baked Mm -hmm. in
2: right right yeah i i know you know it's you know and I don't know. I guess now I feel guilty about, it. I don't mean to to crap on all the other, you know, sort of Braille device manufacturers that are out there that are doing good work and that are, you know, producing um, devices that are very important and very powerful. So, you know, everybody's doing good work, but I know I just wish, I just wish somehow we could just develop the technology that we could just, we could get the, the price point down um, on some of these devices. Cause I know that that's a, can be a real barrier for people.
0: It would have to be a Google or an Apple that that come out and do it right. Yeah. That have that audience, those numbers to be able to bring that, that price down to a mainstream price because the, these dedicated blindness companies just can't do it. The numbers yeah. aren't there.
2: Oh, man.
0: No. Uh,
2: all right. Want well, anything else to say about the Canute? I forgot to ask what the Canute, what did, do we, does anybody know what's, what's the deal with the, the name? What's, a, what's, a, what
3: is a Canute? Can, Canute was a Danish king. Oh, really? Yeah.
2: Hmm. I wonder what the connection there is. You had me a Danish. <laughs> yeah. No, can I go for a Danish. Danish. <laughs> it's breakfast time. Um, all right, well, shall we get out of here? Yep, let's do it. Uh, hey, Ryan. Yeah, Rob. Uh, where can people find us? They
0: can find us online at
2: atbanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us an email if they so desire, uh, especially if you're a scammer. We love we love scammers. No, just kidding. Uh, cowbell at atbanter.com. Cowbell doesn't come through, but that's okay. It's because we don't have original audio turned on. I, it squashes I it. I know it squashes it. Wait, so does that mean you need to have original audio or we need to? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Okay, Pro- whatever. Probably him. Yeah. So there yeah. you
0: go.
3: It's our right. fault next time. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead, Steve. Well, hey, you know, if people want to engage with us in some sort of anti social way, they can find <laughs> us on social media through Facebook and Twitter or oh, on Instagram.
2: You know, we should we really should have asked her more about the whole. I don't, I don't even really understand what the hell's going on over there in England right now. Like, what I know the Prime Minister sucks or something, or I don't, I don't even know understand what's going on. I, I was just starting to get used to this Boris, Boris Johnson guy, and now he's gone. So I don't even. They they need to figure out. Maybe they, I don't his, know.
3: His party turfed him. And they rep- well, they replaced him with a woman named Liz Truss, and Liz Truss came out and said she was gonna cut taxes and do all of this stuff and then people who actually know about these things went to her and said are you out of your mind look at the pound dropping (laughs) just because you're talking about what you're gonna do stop it so they she fired her finance minister after what a a week or something and replaced him with a new finance minister who said yep we're not doing that so now oh, now, now, she just looks feckless and waffling. And, oh, dear. Yeah. So. Mm. Anyways, just wow. fur, further on Canute. Yes. Mm-hmm. Canute was a Viking king of England, Denmark, Norway, part of Sweden, and governor or overlord of uh, Schleswig and Pomerania. Wow. Hmm. So he was the only man to be king of England, Denmark, and Norway, as well as ruling part of Sweden
2: man not bad well aptly named then an yeah. overlord i wonder yeah
3: i want to be an overlord <laughs> <laughs> sounds fun sounds way better than a king an overlord you better check with your cat and see if it'll let you <laughs>
2: that's right
3: that's usually their job yeah true <laughs>
2: Uh, all right. I think that is going to about do us, do us. I think that's going to about do it for us this week. Big thanks, of course, to Charlie for joining us.
3: And we will see everybody next
2: week. Banter.
3: This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canasstech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at one 795 8324 For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.